The U.S. population seems pretty evenly divided over whether the human species is biologically related to other animals or whether we were specially created as part of a flurry of miracles. Even our collective politicians, seemingly all of them, are wrapped up in this controversy, yet it's hard to find even one of them who knows what it's about. Why is it that there is such concern in so many grade schools, K-12, through 12, about teaching evolution, yet there is still a complete consensus among scientists all over America and the rest of the world that evolution is the backbone of modern biology and a demonstrable reality historically as well? Most people don't understand science, what it is, how it works, what hypotheses and theories are, or even the purpose behind it. Sadly, even those on your school faculty or state board of education often need an education themselves before they can be trusted to govern how or what our kids will be taught. And that's why I thought I would speak up and do what I can to help. To adequately understand evolution, you not only have to understand how to be scientific, which is the real trick for most people, but you also have to know something about cellular biology, genetics and anatomy, geology, particularly paleontology, as well as environmental systems, tectonics, atomic chemistry, and especially taxonomy which most people don't know squat about at all. Most people who accept evolution also tend to know a whole lot about cosmology, geography, history, sociology, politics, and, of course, religion. But to believe in creationism, you don't have to know anything about anything. And it's better if you don't. Because creationism relies on ignorance. It is not honest research. It is a scam, a con job, exploiting the common folk and preying on their deepest beliefs and fears. Creationist apologetics depends on misrepresented data and misquoted authorities out of date and out of context and uses distorted definitions if it uses definitions at all. There are basically two types of creationists. The professional or political creationists, these are the activists who lead the movement and who will regularly, deliberately lie to promote their propaganda, and the second type, which are the innocently deceived followers, commonly known as sheep. I know lots of intellectual Christians, but I can't get any of them to actually watch the televangelists because they either already know how phony they are or they don't want to find out. But that only allows a radical fringe to claim support from the masses they now also claim to represent. So there's nothing to stop them. Professional creationists are making money hand over fist with faith healing scams, or bilking little old ladies out of prayer donations, or selling books and videos at their circus-like seminars where they have undeserved respect as powerful leaders. All of them feign knowledge they can't really possess, and some of them claim degrees they've never actually earned. You are a scientist, correct? Oh, that's right, I have a Ph.D. in Truthology from Christian Tech. Were it not for this con, they'd have to go back to selling used cars, wonder drugs, and multi-level marketing schemes. They will never change their mind, no matter what it costs anyone else. So it is obviously the sheep whom I'm attempting to reach with this speech, so that they might not be sheep anymore and will stop feeding fuel into the manipulative movement. Because it is one thing to believe in something which might be true, like God in general or Christianity specifically, even though neither can be substantiated or tested in any objective way. But it's a whole other matter to willfully deceive others into believing things which are definitely not true, like creationism. Especially when we can also prove that those doing this know their assorted arguments are bogus and know they're lying to our children and that they hope to continue doing so under the guise of education. Creationism extorts support through peer pressure, prejudice, and paranoid propaganda and sells itself with short, simplistic slogans which appeal to those who don't want to think too much or are afraid to question their own beliefs. Worst of all, it actually forbids critical inquiry and promotes anti-intellectualism and is based on at least a dozen foundational falsehoods. 
First and foremost among them is the idea that accepting evolution requires the rejection of theism, if not all other religious or spiritual beliefs as well. For decades, those behind the creationism movement have tried very hard to portray the illusion that one cannot accept evolution and still believe in God. They know better, but they still want you to believe that evolution is atheist and that it is either evolution without God or God creating without evolution. That's been their central claim since the creationism movement began, but this supposed controversy never was about whether or not there is a God. Most people believe there is a God, and they believe he is in control of all the seemingly random events of our lives. This is true of most of the people who accept evolution. Also, most of them believe in God as well, and they believe that God is in control of evolution, that evolution, like every other system in nature, is part of God's design. Of the couple hundred different and often violently conflicting denominations of Christianity, the largest of them by far is Catholicism followed by Orthodoxy. Both of these have stated support of evolution and denounced creationism. Pope Benedict recently described evolution as an enriching reality and described creationist contests against it as absurd. Both of the popes before him advised Christians around the world to consider evolution to be more than a hypothesis and not to fear acceptance of that as being any challenge to their faith in Christ. The early proponents of evolutionary science were all initially Christian, including Darwin, and many of the leading proponents of modern evolutionary science are still Christian today. For example, microbiologist Dr. Ken Miller, who testified against intelligent design creationism in Kitzmiller v. Dover, is a Catholic. Another outspoken proponent of evolution, Dr. Robert T. Bacher, who has PhDs from both Harvard and Yale, is not only one of the leading and most recognizable paleontologists in the world today, but he also happens to be a Bible-believing Pentecostal preacher, though he interprets Genesis differently than literalists would. In his book, Bones, Bibles, and Creation, he says that to treat the Bible as though it were common history is to degrade its eternal meaning. One of the earliest geneticists, Theodosius Dobzhansky, was an Orthodox Christian who many times professed his belief that life was created by God, but that nothing in biology made sense except in light of evolution. All these men agree that even if there really is a God, and even if that God is the Christian God, and even if that God created the universe and everything in it, which they all believe, evolution would still be at least mostly true, and creationism would still be completely wrong. Of all the developed nations throughout Christendom, only the United States has a significant number of creationists, and they're the minority even here. Every other predominantly Christian country tends to regard creationism as an incredulous, if not insane, radical fringe movement which is an almost exclusively American phenomenon and not taken seriously anywhere else. Poll after poll continues to reveal that around the world, most evolutionists are Christian, and most Christians are evolutionists. So evolution is not synonymous with atheism, and creationism isn't synonymous with Christianity either. Most creationists aren't even Christians. There are millions more Muslim and Hindu creationists than Christian ones. Regardless which religion they claim, creationism can be collectively defined as the fraction of religious believers who reject science. Not just the conclusions of science, but its methods as well, and I mean all of them. From uniformitarianism and methodological naturalism to the peer review process and the requirement that all positive claims be based on testable evidence. These people rely instead on blind faith in the assumed authority of their favorite fables. In all cases, creationism is an obstinate and dogmatic superstitious belief which holds that members of most seemingly related taxonomic groups did not evolve naturally, but were created magically that plants and animals were literally poofed out of nothing, fully formed, in their current state, unrelated to anything else, 
despite all indications to the contrary. Creationists may side with Western Abrahamic religions, being the Judeo-Christian Islamic mythos in which there are conflicting versions of the same tales, or creationists may belong to one of many Eastern religions where the sacred stories of creation are much older, completely different, and dedicated to other gods and pantheons. But in every case, the proposed creator is supernatural, meaning that it is not a part of perceptible reality. Therefore, it is undetectable by any testable means and can only be assumed to exist for subjective emotional reasons or as a result of cultural indoctrination rather than because of any measurable evidence or logical rationale. In other words, there's no way to say if it's really there. Worst of all, there's also no way to distinguish anyone's gods or ghosts from the imaginary being some primitive folks just made up, either. This doesn't mean no god exists, but it does mean that science can't say anything about them. Because even if gods are real, they still don't appear to be, and apparently don't want to, since all the holy books demand that they be believed on faith alone. As there is nothing anyone can verify and thus actually know to be correct about gods, then science is unable to make any comment about them at all, because science can only ever investigate things with demonstrable evidence which can be tested or measured. From the creationist perspective, the method or mechanism of creation which these mystical beings use is nothing more than a golem spell where clay statues are animated with an enchantment, or it's an incantation in which complex modern plants and animals are spoken into being. That's right, magic words, which cause fully developed adult animals to be conjured out of thin air, or a god simply wishes them to exist, so they do. That's it. There really is nothing more to it than that, Pure freaking magic by definition. Remember that the next time you hear anything from a creation scientist. So for those who believe in God, the question really is how God created and whether that was by one of many inextricably integrated natural systems he seemingly designed or whether he simply blinked, wiggled his nose, wished upon a star and said, Abracadabra. When believers argue over any of the many things which contradict their religion, they often challenge us to decide whom are we going to believe? The alleged word of God? or that of men, as if human inquiry had no chance against the authority they imagine their doctrine to be. But when they say men, they're talking about science, and when they refer to the word of God, they're talking about the myths written about God by men. If there really is an intelligent and purposeful creator, then it would have to be he who constructed the fossil record revealing evolutionary history, and he has to be the one who conceived the genetic patterns, which also trace that same course. And it must have been he who added all the other lines of evidence which point to the evolutionary conclusion exclusively and in brilliant detail. Why else would these things exist? It's as if he were trying to tell us something. Men couldn't create any of those things, but men can tell stories, whoppers in fact. And it was men who wrote all of the scriptures pretending to speak for God. Every one of the world's supposedly holy doctrines of any religion described themselves as being written by men, not gods. Men who were moved by or inspired by their favorite gods or perhaps taking dictation from angels. But they were written by lowly, imaginative, yet imperfect mortals nonetheless. Not by angels and certainly not by gods. If there really was one true God, it should be the singular composite of every religion's gods, an uber-galactic supergenius and the ultimate entity of the entire cosmos. If a being of that magnitude ever wrote a book, then there would only be one such document, one book of God. It would be dominant everywhere in the world with no predecessors or parallels or alternatives in any language, because mere human authors couldn't possibly compete with it. 
And you wouldn't need faith to believe it because it would be consistent with all evidence and demonstrably true, revealing profound morality and wisdom far beyond contemporary human capacity. It would invariably inspire a unity of common belief for every reader. If God wrote it, we could expect no less. But what we see instead is the very opposite of that. Instead of only one religion leading to one ultimate truth, we have many different religions with no common origin, all constantly sharding into ever more deeply divided denominations seeking conflicting truths, and each somehow claiming divine guidance despite their ongoing divergence in every direction. The Jewish Torah, the Christian Gospels, the Quran of Islam, the Kitab-e-Akdas of Baha'u'llah, the Hindu Vedas, the Avestas of Zarathustra, the Adi Granth of the Sikhs, the Mahabharata's Bhagavad Gita, the Book of Mormon, and the Urantia Book are all declared to be the absolute truth and the revealed word of the one true God, and believers of each say the others are deceived. The only logical probability is that they all are, at least to some degree. None of these have any particular advantage over the others, none of them have any evidentiary support, and none of them are historically verifiable. I'm Dr. Paul Meyer, professor of ancient history at Western Michigan University. I'm not trying to say that now I have proven that the Bible is authoritative, is accurate historically. Of course not. You still have to have faith. All of them require faith and apologetics as well because they also contain inconsistencies, absurdities, and primitive notions once held true but which have since been disproved. So they can claim no evidence of divine wisdom. Many of them promote heinous atrocities in place of morality, and many claim to be validated by prophecies now fulfilled, where each may also contain prophecies which failed to come to pass as predicted. Leading theologians admit that all of the scriptures of any religion were written by human hands, and were thus subject to the interpretations, impressions, and perspectives of their primitive and often prejudiced and politically motivated authors, and they cite this as the explanation behind many of the contradictions in those books, especially those in the Bible. Well, I wouldn't call them contradictions as much as commentaries the one on the other. Uh, again, let's point out, we probably do have uh, two different authors here whose work was blended together then in editorial uh, re-revisioning uh, somewhat. He's right about there being more than one author for Genesis, and it was definitely not an eyewitness account. Some experts now recognize four sources just for the Pentateuch, or the five books of Moses, and they don't credit Moses as the author of any of them, as he evidently never existed as described. The scholarly consensus is that Genesis was compiled probably by Ezra from several unrelated oral traditions less than 2,500 years ago. Other documents filtered in at the same time, all of which attributed to human authors. The Bible is nowhere near as old as believers say it is. The Dead Sea Scrolls are the oldest archaeological text known for the still unfinished basis of Western monotheism, yet they're each centuries younger than the origins of Zoroastrian, Buddhist, Hindu, Hellenist, Druidic, Chinese, and Egyptian religions. Christianity began with the Gnostic faith, and then the Docetics and Ebionites, and their completely different perspectives of Jesus were eventually combined into a kind of compromise called orthodoxy. Other Christian subsets, like the Luciferians, were overrun and discredited by further biblical revisions. One of these revisions relates to the king of Ugarit around 3,500 years ago. As his followers were the principal competition with the emerging religion of Moses, scribes working on the New Testament chose to demonize Baal Zabur, the Lord on High, by distorting his name to Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. So the Bible has been deliberately and deceptively altered for both religious and political reasons.
The rest of what became the New Testament was canonized in the 4th century in a series of committee decisions at the convention in Nicaea. Four Gospels were accepted, and 16 more were rejected, all by a show of hands, as if the facts of the matter could be evaluated or dismissed by popular vote. The way the canon developed was by what was being read on Sunday in the centers of Christianity. What do you read on the second Sunday after Easter in the church in Jerusalem? What's the Church of Rome reading at this time? And they found that again and again, they were zeroing in on the same stories in the Gospels. And so the core of the canon kind of developed from the usage of the early church. So the council simply accepted as gospel whatever few relevant stories the uneducated masses happened to like at the time. But they still opted to remove more than a dozen books from the Bible, even though they were still referenced by other books they chose to include. Among the rejected items were the writings of both apostles and prophets. Why would God's word refer us to other books which were some human's word and or no longer available? Who were the real editors here? The Bible often names human authors, but how could it make such a admission if God were the real author and editor of this haphazard jumble of fables, parables, and psalm lyrics? The Bible was very definitely written by men and not by superior men either, far from it. This is why so much of it can be shown to be historically and scientifically dead wrong about damn near everything back to front. We're talking about people who believe snakes and donkeys can talk, who believe in incantations, blood sacrifice, ritual spells, enchanted artifacts, pyrotechnic potions, astrology, and the five elements of witchcraft. They thought that if you use a magic wand to sprinkle blood all over someone, it would cure them of leprosy. We're talking about people who think that rabbits chew cud, and that bats are birds, and whales are fish, and that pie is a round number. These folks believe that if you display striped patterns to a pregnant cow, it would bear striped calves. How could anyone say that who knows anything about genetics? Obviously, the authors of this book didn't. If the Bible had been written by a supreme being, then it wouldn't contain the mistakes that it does. If it was written by a truly superior being and meant to be read as a literal history, then the Bible wouldn't contain anything that it does. As a moral guide, it utterly fails because much of the original Hebrew scriptures were written by ignorant and bigoted savages who condoned and promoted animal cruelty, incest, slavery, abuse of slaves, spousal abuse, child abuse, child molestation, abortion, pillage, murder, cannibalism, genocide, and prejudice against race, nationality, religion, sex, and sexual orientation. Why? To justify their own inhumanity by claiming to do the will of God. But creationists still continue to ignore all of that. Some of their sites even admit that wherever reality conflicts with the Bible, then reality must be ignored. And why is that? Because if creationists didn't have their beloved books, they wouldn't have a God either. One is the other in their world. Ironically, the faithful reject the works of God as worshiping creation over the Creator. But then they prop up the words of men before God as God, and even insist that disproving their supposedly holy books would somehow disprove God too. Not just their version of God, but everyone else's version of God as well. Creationist Christians think that if the Bible is wrong, then God lied. They cannot accept that God could exist, but the Bible be wrong because they can't distinguish doctrine from deity. So it is a form of idolatry, wherein believers worship man-made compilations as though those books were God himself, because they think it is his word. 
but God never wrote or dictated any of the scriptures of any religion. Everything men chose to reject from or include in their supposedly inalterable word of whatever God was conceived, composed, compiled, translated, interpreted, edited, and often deliberately altered and enhanced by mere fallible men.